Acts chapter 19, we'll begin at verse 1. Let's read the word of the Lord together, shall we? It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. There were in all about 12 men. Now, Lord, open our hearts one more time, I pray, that we may hear that which the Spirit will say to us in the midst of the preaching. Give me clarity of thought and speech, utterance to proclaim your truth. I lift up to you other life-giving churches and I pray blessing upon them. I pray for our loved ones not yet walking in right relationship with you, that you draw them to a place of repentance. And I pray especially for sons and daughters that have wandered from the faith. I pray, oh Lord, that you draw them to a place where they will once again turn back to you. Don't let one of them be lost. I pray these things in the only name that matters, the marvelous name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. As chapter 19 of the book of Acts opens, we find the Apostle Paul beginning his third missionary trip. And he comes to a city that is going to be a very important one in his ministry, the city of Ephesus. Here, he encounters 12 disciples of John the Baptizer and asks them a question that was to forever change their lives. It's the same question I want to ask you at the very beginning of this message. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Before I get to the importance of that question, I want to ask a prerequisite question. Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you been born again? The most important question of your life isn't where you will attend school. The most important question of your life isn't whom you will marry. It isn't what will be your chosen career. It isn't where will you live or, or a thousand and one other choices over which you agonize. The most important question you will ever answer is, what will you do with Jesus? Will you trust him as your only hope of salvation and the Lord of your life? Will you surrender your will to his will and your ways to his ways? Or will you reject his claims on your life and live apart from his influence and away from his grace? 
the beginning place for all of God's help and blessing in your life is for you to first come into a right relationship with him by believing on and surrendering your life to his only begotten son, Jesus. The decision you make about Jesus will affect you not only for time, but for all eternity. And can I just insert long enough to tell you that you do not have guarantee of time. This was just brought home to me so forcefully this week as a pastor friend of mine in good health with no issues, 51 years old, suddenly died, leaving a wife, children, grandchildren, a congregation, This morning, that congregation is holding church without their lead pastor and trying to make sense of all of this. Thankfully, I know the man well enough to know that he's rejoicing with the saints. He's having church, just just not with those people. But we have no promise of even getting out of this sanctuary. If you want to know what it means to live an abundant life in the present and have the assurance of eternal life in the hereafter, then you must first of all recognize that you need to be saved. Second, you must realize that as good as you are, you aren't capable of saving yourself. Third, you must understand that Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, and though he didn't deserve it, he died a cruel and inhumane death in order to pay the penalty for your sin. Everything you deserved, he took upon himself as the payment. Fourth, you must know that Jesus was buried, but early on the morning of the first day of the week, he was resurrected back to life, and he promises that because he lives, then everyone who believes in him shall also live. And finally, you must recognize that Jesus is the only way of salvation. There is no alternate plan. There are not multiple paths to God. There's only one way, and that is through faith in Jesus. The call that the Lord is issuing to people today is one that says, repent. To repent simply means to turn around and start going in the opposite direction from the one in which you're traveling. You've been going your own way. You've been ignoring God's love and his plan for your life. You've been living for what pleased you rather than what pleases him. You've left God out of the equation of your life, and his call to you today is repent, turn around. Instead of running away from God, turn toward God. Surrender your life to Jesus. Ask him to forgive your sin, to apply his death so that you can have life that is abundant in the here and now and eternal in the hereafter. If you'll depend on the price Jesus paid instead of your own good works, God will save you. He'll make you part of his forever family. You can know the joy of sins forgiven. You can have the assurance that every, every, every sin you've ever committed 
committed. And the shame and the guilt that comes from that sin is forever permanently wiped away. And you can experience the peace that comes when everything is right between you and your maker. I'd just like to know how many of you have responded positively to the call to repent? How many of you have the assurance that you're saved? How many of you are born again? May I just tell you that you don't really have to wait until the end of the message for that to happen to you. Right now, in the quietness of your own heart, you can turn toward the Savior. You can ask him to forgive your sin. You don't have to come down here. You don't have to let me lay hands on you. All you have to do is just in your heart just say, Jesus, I'm not going my way. I'm going your way. You can respond to the call of God. and You can make the choice to repent and surrender your life to Jesus. And the promise of God is that whenever you call upon the Lord, he will receive you. He will forgive you. He will welcome you into a right relationship with him. Now, that's a wonderful experience. Salvation is a free gift, and it's given if you'll receive it. But I have to tell you, that isn't the end of the journey. When when the Apostle Paul met up with these 12 disciples who were believers who had repented, who had even been baptized for forgiveness of sin. He asked them a critical question. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? I mean, they thought they had everything they needed. They had repented, they'd been baptized, Eternity was certain, but Paul then introduces them to something else. There is another dimension. There is a greater measure of God's fullness and grace. It's what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, please understand, this doesn't make you any more saved. It doesn't make you any more holy. It doesn't give you any extra brownie points to flash before God or anybody else. It's not even about you getting more of God. Rather, it's about God getting more of you. The call of God after the call of repentance is to be filled with the Spirit. If you are saved, let me see see those hands again. Any, Any saved people? Okay, if you are saved, then the next question is, are you filled with the Spirit? Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Has there been a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence and kingdom life in you? Jesus breathed on his disciples in the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 22, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It wasn't an option. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a directive. It's the same command he gives to believers today. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be baptized in the Spirit. Be controlled. Be directed. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
Now, let me just briefly give you four reasons why this is important for you today before we get out of here. Being filled with and baptized in the Spirit will define your life in a manner that is different from the way it has been before the entrance of Spirit life. First of all, being baptized in the Holy Spirit will make a difference in your spiritual walk. I want you to think with me for a moment about the Apostle Peter. You remember him, old sandal in the mouth Peter. You know, about the, every time he opened his mouth, it was just to change feet. After bragging, he would never leave nor deny the Lord Jesus. He ran at the first sign of trouble. In the courtyard, you remember, he denied three times that he knew the Lord, even resorting to cursing to strengthen the point. He was a rough Galilean, a simple, uneducated fisherman. But something special happened 10 days after the ascension of the Lord Jesus. Peter was gathered in the upper room on the day of Pentecost along with 120 other followers of Jesus. Suddenly, according to Acts chapter 2, there came a noise from heaven like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared over each person in the room what looked like tongues of fire. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. The next scene finds them out in the street and people from all of the, over the city of Jerusalem are gathered around them. They were hearing these believers speaking of the mighty deeds of God in languages they had never studied or learned. Some of the bystanders, you remember, began to mock and accuse them of being drunk which was absurd since it was only nine o'clock in the morning and the bars weren't even open. And some of them then asked the disciples, what was going on? Do you remember who stood up in the middle of that company of believers to give the explanation? Peter. There was a boldness in his presentation. He was persuasive. There was no wavering in his conviction as he confronted their ridicule and skepticism and called the crowd to repentance. A few days later in Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John are going to the temple for prayer, it is again Peter who looks at the lame man and says to him at the gate, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. It wasn't done off in a back room somewhere. It wasn't done in hushed tones, but there was boldness. There was conviction. When the priest had Peter and John arrested in chapter 4 of Acts, verse 8 says that it was Peter filled with the Holy Spirit who began to speak to them and proclaim the truth of the resurrected Jesus. It was this same Peter, after being whipped and commanded not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus upon fear of further punishment, he responded and said, we must obey God rather than man, and we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. And when he left the place, he continued proclaiming Jesus. It was this same Peter who had been fearful of his life who would write these 
encouraging words from a prison cell in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. Now, what was it that changed this man from a reed to a rock? What gave him a holy boldness in the face of opposition? What caused him to have such power that people were laid in the streets so that his shadow would fall across them, and when it did, they would be healed? What caused him to be able to walk through the town and be recognized for having been with Jesus? I'll tell you, it was the infilling of the power of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. It is the anointing of the Spirit that makes a difference in your walk. It is the life filled with the Holy Spirit that is enabled to live in a manner that is pleasing to God, even in the midst of a perverse society. In Galatians 5, 16, the apostle Paul says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the deeds of the flesh. He writes again in verse 25, if we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. You see, the gospel, the true gospel, isn't concerned about your church membership. The gospel isn't concerned about your denominational affiliation. The gospel isn't concerned about the position or the title you hold. But the gospel is concerned with righteousness and godliness and holy living and seeking first the kingdom of God. And I have to tell you, I have a concern for you today as your pastor. My concern for a number of you is that instead of trying to see just how close to God you can walk, you're trying to see how close to the line of this world you can walk without falling back over into it. I'm concerned that instead of being completely sold out to the things of God and to the plan he has for your life, you're trying to see just how much you can partake of the vain things of this world and remain saved. Well, it got really quiet. Listen, the only way you're going to be able to live out the demands of the gospel on your life, the only way you're going to be able to resist the influence of this present world system that, and keep from being squeezed into its mold, the only way you're going to be able to stand for truth and righteousness, the only way you're going to be able to stop fulfilling the desires of the flesh that are in opposition to the will and the purpose and the plan of God for your life is to be filled with the spirit of the living God. That is the power you've got to have in order to make a difference in your walk. Otherwise, you're just living like everybody else. The Holy Spirit makes a difference in your walk. Not only that, but it's important to be baptized in the Spirit because he will make a difference in your worship. Jesus told the woman at the well in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and 
truth. In verse 20 of the letter of Jude, the writer says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul gave this instruction to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 15. What is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the mind also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the mind also. I want to tell you the way you're able to draw near to God is through the Spirit. The way you're able to understand and apply truth is through the revelation of the Spirit. See, I know a lot of people that read the Bible, but they don't ever get anything out of it. And the reason is because they don't have the, the light of understanding of the revelation of the Spirit to illuminate the Word to their heart. The way you're able to remain in relationship with the Father is through the Spirit. I'm telling you, there are dimensions of God's love and God's grace and God's power that are yet to be explored and experienced. But the way they will be brought to your life is as you are filled with and baptized in the Spirit and you continue in the walk of the Spirit. It's the only way that happens. Suddenly your worship comes alive because you have the revelation of the Spirit. It's not empty phrases that you're talking about. It's not empty phrases you're singing, but now, oh, they mean something to my heart because the Spirit has brought them to me. Spirit baptism makes a difference in your walk. Spirit baptism makes a difference in your worship. Spirit baptism also makes a difference in your witness. One of the primary reasons the Holy Spirit has been given to believers is for the purpose of empowering your witness. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus made this startling promise. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Notice that last phrase, because I go to the Father. That phrase ties in beautifully with John chapter 16, verse 7, where Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus here is teaching that he's going to return to heaven, which is the dwelling place of the Father. And when he does, he promises that he will send the Holy Spirit. I want to tell you, the coming of the Holy Spirit is one of the ways we know that Jesus has arrived back in the Father's presence. And then he promises that through the power of the Spirit that he sends, his followers, do I have any followers? Just making sure you're still there. Okay. His followers will be able to do the works that he has done while on this earth and even greater works. Now, do you believe that Jesus tells the truth? In Luke 24 and 49, just before he ascends into heaven, Jesus says to his disciples, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He tells them in Acts 1 and 8 what's going to happen when he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. 
What he's saying is they they are not supposed to go anywhere and do any ministering until they have been filled with the Holy Spirit. But then when they have been filled with the Spirit, they are to go into all the world. And they will then have the ability to accomplish the task of the ministry because they will be filled with the fullness of his power. You see, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that healing is accomplished. Through the power of the Spirit that miracles are performed. It's through the power of the Spirit that hearts are convicted. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives are changed. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that men and women and boys and girls are born again into the kingdom of God. It's it's so important for you to understand that the Holy Spirit baptism isn't given so you can shout and dance and rejoice and have a hallelujah breakdown in the midst of a worship service. You know, there are too many people who view the gift of the Holy Spirit as an event to be experienced. The filling of the Holy Spirit isn't an event to be experienced. It's a lifestyle to be lived. Now understand, I I want you to have this wonderful experience. I, I, I want you to enjoy the blessing of the Holy Spirit. But there are far too many who have had an experience of the Holy Spirit, but that's as far as it ever got. They want to come to a church service after a week of doing just as they please, and they want to feel a little glory tingle. They want to have an emotional release that causes them to clap and shout and maybe even dance a little bit. They want to speak in tongues a little bit. And they think they have something special. But then they go out to eat after the service and they have some pastor stew and some church board chops for lunch. And they have a little, can you believe she was wearing that for dessert? And then they live the rest of the week any old way they want and they come back for a repeat next week. That isn't the Holy Spirit baptism. This precious gift of God is wasted if after being filled with the power of his spirit, you remain content to just come week after week to your spiritual bless me club. It's wasted If you just sit in the seats and hear the preaching and the teaching of the word of the Lord and get spiritually fat. It's wasted if you don't take the power of the spirit of the Lord that is living in your life out into the marketplace where it's most needed and proclaim by both the words you speak and the life you live, the life-changing power of Jesus. The baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't a spiritual merit badge of approval. It isn't a stimulant for an emotional high and an ecstatic experience. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift from the Heavenly Father that enables you to do the work of the kingdom of God, which is to win the lost to Jesus. 
when these 12 disciples at Ephesus, <laughs> some of y'all are gonna go out of here going, oh, pastor's just down on all the Pentecostal expressions. You, I hope you know me better than that after 22 years here. No, I want all of that. But what you don't understand, what, we, what we've missed is that the expressions and the manifestations, they are the byproduct of what goes on when we are filled with the Spirit. A number of years ago, most of you know my father was also a pastor. And a number of years ago, he, he went to a small church. And that church was known for, for having all kinds of um, demonstrations of the Spirit in the service. And so he gets there as the pastor, and boy, they're, they're shouting and praising and, you know, running the aisles and speaking in tongues. And, I mean, it's just really, really exciting place. And this went on service after service after service. And finally, one day, my dad got up, and he said, stop. Now, you'd have to know my dad. Some of you think I'm pretty pretty straight. Oh, no, 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 no. I, dad was straight. And uh, dad was as Pentecostal as they get. But he got up in front of people and he said, stop, stop it. He said, you don't have any right to shout. I don't want you shouting in this place anymore. Well, of course, everybody was looking at him like y'all are looking at me right now. Like. <laughs> he said, I went back in the church records he says, there's not been anybody saved in this church in over four years. He said, you don't have any reason to shout. He said, because the Holy Spirit comes in order to convict people of their sins and draw them to Jesus. He says, when we start getting some souls saved, then we'll shout. See, the, the, the shout is the byproduct. See, when these 12 disciples at Ephesus from our text are filled with the, whole, with the Spirit... The next thing we see happening in the story, you read it in Acts 19, is that the whole city is being affected by the power of God. Miracles are taking place by the hand of Paul. Handkerchiefs and aprons were being carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. People were bringing their books of magic spells into the city square and burning them. Healing, deliverance, miracles, salvation. That's what happens when people are really filled with the Spirit. That's why I'm saying you've got to be filled. That's why this church has got to be filled with the Spirit, or we will cease being a church. I got to hurry on and tell you being filled with the Spirit makes a difference in your walk, it makes a difference in your worship, it makes a difference in your witness. Finally, I want you to see that being filled with and baptized with the Spirit will make a difference in your spiritual warfare. The letter of Paul to the Ephesians was written back to this church that got started out of this revival in Ephesus that we're told about in Acts 19. In chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, Paul clearly states that we are engaged in a struggle against spiritual forces. 
He describes it like this in verse 12. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The way to fight against spiritual forces is to come against them in spiritual power with spiritual weapons. That's why he goes on in verse 18 of that chapter and says, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. I want to tell you, if you're struggling in a spiritual battle, be filled with the spirit. If you're constantly fighting to stay out of temptation's trap, be filled with with the Spirit. If you're finding it difficult to pray, be filled with the Spirit. If the joy seems to be missing from your walk with the Lord, be filled with the Spirit. If you're tired of living an anemic spiritual life, be filled with the Spirit. If you're tired of never seeming to be able to rise above your circumstances, be filled with the Spirit. It's important for you to be filled with the Spirit. Jesus promised it to you. It's important for your walk, for your worship, for your witness, and for your warfare. So I want to ask you two questions as I bring this message to a conclusion. First, have you repented? Have you responded to the call of God and asked for forgiveness of your sin? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? You must be born again. Second, if you have repented... Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? If not, what holds you back from seeking to receive all that God has for your life? I want to issue an invitation today. First of all, for those who need to repent, Jesus is calling you today. I don't ever want to just make the assumption that because you've gathered in church on a Sunday morning that everybody's saved. Just because you're watching me online. I mean, that take an, takes an extra effort to do that. But I don't want to assume that you're automatically saved. But the Lord is calling for you to become his follower. Don't leave this service without knowing that everything is right between you and God. Don't leave without coming to Jesus and surrendering your life to his lordship. I'm going to ask you to help me with something. If I, if I could do it, if I had the time, I would go to you one by one. I'd look you in the eye and I would ask you, do you know that you're saved today? I can't do that, I, but this, it'd take too long. So I'm gonna ask you to help me and I don't want you to do this flippantly, but I'm gonna ask you to do that. I'm gonna ask you to turn to the person near you. If somebody's not right beside you, turn to somebody in front of you or behind you. I want you to look, look them right in the eye and ask them, do you know that you're saved? And if, if today was your last day on earth, do you know you're ready to meet Jesus? Do it, do it. Help me out, please. And if that person can't say yes, if they don't know, would you just tell them that if if you'll go with me, I'll walk with you down to the front and I'll pray with you. Because today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to make that right. Stand with me, please. Here's the second thing. 
If you've not yet been filled with the Holy Spirit, I just want to remind you, this promise is for you. It's for you. Don't miss out on God's best. It's for you. Pastor, the, the way I, yes, the way you are, right where you are, this promise is for you. That's what Peter proclaimed on the day of Pentecost. He said, when you believe in Jesus, you trust Jesus as your Savior, this promise is for you and for your children and your children's children and those that are far off, as many as the Lord will call to himself. It's for you. Don't miss out on what God has for you. And then third, is the Holy Spirit flame burning brightly in your heart today? Or do you need to be renewed and refreshed in the Holy Spirit? Don't let this become a, a dry, stale experience. But receive the refreshing of the Holy Spirit for your life. We had to do this quick because I, my time is up for this service. I'm just going to ask you, if you are wanting God and all that he has for you, whether it's to be saved or to be filled with the Spirit or to be refilled with the Spirit, but you want more of the Lord, I'm going to ask you if you'd just step to the aisle and, and come stand here in the front very quickly. Come stand with me here, just as a, as a demonstration that says, I want Jesus. I want more of what God has for me. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Come on, move up just a little bit closer. Anybody else says, I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you. I want all that you've got for me today. See, sometimes we think coming forward gets, puts some kind of stigma on us, like, oh, you know, who's this bad person? No, they're not bad. They're, in fact, they're, they're good. Because now it's a desire for more of everything that God's got. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Elders, would you just come and, and, and come behind them, please, and stand and pray with them. I want you to just lift your hands to the Lord all over this place. Just say, Lord Jesus, I present myself to you. I'm asking you now to come into my heart that any sin that is there, that you will find it and, and root it out. Cleanse me. <laughs> I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. And now, Lord, I ask you to fill me with the Spirit. With all that you have for me, the fullness of your Spirit. Baptize me to overflowing in your spirit. I need you, Jesus. I need your spirit. I need the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. Come Holy Spirit, I receive you now. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, 
Now, why don't you just thank the Lord because He hears and answers prayer. Come on, just out of your mouth, just begin to speak your thanks and your praise to Him. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power. Live inside of me. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Make the difference, Lord. Welcome, Holy Spirit. We are in your presence. Fill us with your power.